Do you schedule and host events in the Jewish community? Conferences, webinars, local events? Please consider adding your events to Jcast Network's newest project, the Jewish Communal Events Calendar. Don't schedule events, but know someone who does? Invite them to add their events. If we all work together, we can create another wonderful resource for the Jewish community. Visit our calendar and post your events at jcastnetwork.org slash jcpc. You are listening to The Tish with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Michael Knopf, please visit mikenopf.com. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Happy Mother's Day. (laughs) You're welcome, Glenn. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so this is a session on the issue of uh, including the matriarchs in the Amidah. Okay, and I'll make two confessions at the outset. Okay, the first is that I am uh, uh, sympathetic to this change, to, this, uh, to including the matriarchs in the Amida. I'm going to do my best <coughs> to present the material um, as objectively as I can, because I think that there are arguments that can be made either way, both in favor of including the matriarchs in the Amida uh, and not including the matriarchs in the Amida. But I want to say to the outset, my, uh, my, my, subject, my subjectivity uh, on, on the subject is that I'm sympathetic to the desire. Um, the second thing, the second um, point I want to make at the beginning, or, or confession I want to make at the beginning, is that um, I was not always sympathetic to this change. Uh, and so let me say what I mean by that. So the first is I was always sympathetic to the desire for the change, right? I was always sympathetic to the, the desire to have, uh, uh, to have more acknowledgement uh, of uh, women's roles in our history, more acknowledgement and inclusion of women in, in our community, sympathetic to the feeling that uh, many women had that by not having uh, women's names uh, included in this prayer in particular, but in other places, uh, it, um, it, it, it sent a message that uh, the role of women within the community, within the Jewish tradition, was lesser than the role of men, uh, that, uh, that there was a, uh, an implicit bias uh, in the tradition and in traditional settings against women. So even in a congregation that in which we uh, purport to be egalitarian, um, there is still, I think, um, a, a sense in which the work of egalitarianism is not yet done, that there is not full equality even in our community between men and women. And one of the ways in which that manifests for some people is, uh, is, uh, is, is in this place, or, or one of the ways that reinforces that perception or reinforces that reality uh, is um, uh, in this place. So I was always sympathetic to that concern. What I wasn't always sympathetic to was uh, whether it was possible, permissible, uh, um, uh, wise to include the names of women in this particular place. And my shift from that column to the first column that I mentioned before, that now I, I am sympathetic to uh, the desire to change it, and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm supportive of changing it, um, came in large part um, through 
the study that, uh, that, that helped me prepare our session today. So it was actually an engagement uh, with the sources themselves and with uh, many different perspectives and writings on the subject that has uh, led me to, uh, to, to change my mind. Okay, so, um, so uh, I'm not necessarily here today to convince anybody that they should change their minds one way or the other, um, but if you open yourself up to possibility, there may be possibility that if you're on one side of the fence, you might be on the other side of the fence by the end of this, okay? So that's, where, that's what I want to set, set out at the, at the onset. Okay, so the prayer, for those of us who are unfamiliar, just need a reminder. Uh, in Hebrew, sounds like this. Uh, and it's in the uh, first page here. This is the traditional prayer. Baruch Ata Adonai Eloheinu Velohe Avotenu Elohe Avraham Elohe Yitzchak Velohe Yaakov Ha'el Hagadol Hagibor Vehanora El Elyon Gomel Chasadim Tovim Vekone Hakol Vezocher Chaste Avot Umevi Goel Livne Bnehem Lamaan Shemo Beahava. Uh, and then on, uh, during the 10 days of repentance, uh, which is the period of time between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, we add, Zochreinu l'chaim, melech chafetz b'chaim, v'chatvenu b'sefer ha'chaim, l'ma'ancha Elohim chaim. Uh, on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, we add even more than that uh, to this opening prayer. Um, but that's at least the general sort of weekday um, uh, inclusion that we have there. And then it concludes, Melech Ozer Moshiach Magen, Baruch Ata Adonai Magen Avraham. So the English translation that I uh, have here is basically the translation of the new Sidor we're in the process of adopting, Sidor Lev Shalem, uh, with a couple of very small exceptions. Lev Shalem uh, doesn't translate the phrase Baruch Ata Adonai uh, for interesting reasons that we don't need to get into here, uh, but I did translate that just for clarity's sake, okay? So, um, so the translation of the prayer, blessed are you Adonai, our God and God of our patriarchs. So I hear, and this is another thing that I, uh, the Lev Shalem prides itself on a, uh, um, on a uh, non-gender specific translation, even in an in instance in which it's translating um, the a prayer like this without the matriarchs, it will translate, where I use the word patriarchs, it translates as ancestors, okay? But I actually um, left it to not prejudice the translation, um, I left it as patriarchs because I actually think that that's what the traditional translation probably had in mind, okay? So, blessed are you, Adonai, our God and God of our patriarchs, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob, great, mighty, awe-inspiring, transcendent God who acts with kindness and love and creates all, who remembers the loving deeds of our patriarchs, and who will lovingly bring a redeemer to their children's children for the sake of divine honor. Uh, and then during the 10 days of repentance, remember us for life, sovereign who delights in life, and inscribe us in the book of life for your sake, God of life. You are the sovereign who helps and saves and shields. Blessed are you, Adonai, shield of Abraham. Okay, before we go deeper into this, what would you say the theme of this blessing is? The, okay, the ongoing relationship between God and the Jewish people, even though the Jewish people themselves are not mentioned uh, in this, I mean, only implied, well, so right. That's where I think the question of whether Avotain 
say that Bela Hayabotenu is including the full spectrum of right. our ancestors. Sure. And patriarchs would implicitly be limiting just to those three ge generations. And I think that you might be right. The yeah. original intent is they are including everyone from me to my father, to my father's father, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, good. So um, you, you may be right about that, and I actually hadn't, uh, hadn't considered that, but uh, you, you could be right about that. So what Ben's point is that where I translate, changed the translation of the Lev Shalem to patriarchs, it actually may literally have uh, been intended to be ancestors running the full spectrum of our ancestors, not speaking specifically of those patriarchs. But what Ben was saying is that the, the theme of this blessing is uh, the ongoing relationship of God and the Jewish people that that harkens back in history to the inception of that relationship with our earliest ancestors, in this case mentioning Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So it's a prayer, um, a blessing about relationship, between uh, a relationship between God and us, and about the connection um, between our relationship with God and our ancestors' relationship with God. Good. Any other idea, any other thoughts about what the theme of this blessing is? God is protector. Okay, can you say more about that? Well, the last, uh, in that section, you have a excuse me, sovereign who helps and saves and shields. Uh-huh. Good. Okay, so God is protector. Okay, so the, so... That may not be. That may just be a uh, a uh, piggybacking in some ways on what Ben said, right? One of the one of the dimensions of that relationship between God and the Jewish people is that God has promised to be the protector of the Jewish people, right? Um, which goes back to that that original relationship. Good. Other other thoughts about the theme of this blessing? Well, it also uh, looks to the future. So, can you say more about that? I think that's really important. Brings a redeemer to, and this I think is critical, uh, children's children, uh, because there's not differentiating between male and female. So it's all stuff. Well, so the, so the, you're the, what you. Well, right. So you, you raise an interesting point, Neil. I mean, uh, and and GD. So the the Hebrew phrase is mevi goel ivnei b'nei Okay, which uh, which can of course mean uh, the sons of their sons, uh, but also of course can mean uh, the the children of their children, including both sons and daughters. Right? Hebrew. Remember, uh, uh, I had a uh, I took a class on the history of the state of Israel in, in, in college in Columbia, and uh, um, one of the TAs taught one of the sessions um, on like gender in Israel, and uh, and she said uh, the title of the session was Hebrew is a sex maniac. So, um, and so here's a good case of it, right, where, uh, first of all, Hebrew is a gendered language, right, um, so sometimes it's hard to know if it intends a specific gender in what it's saying, especially if it's plural, okay, and, uh, and if it's plural, the plural, uh, even if it includes, if it, if it includes only women in the plural, it would obviously just be benotehem, uh, uh, but if it includes both men and women, it would include all of them, and, uh, and, and uh, in this case, I kept the language as children's children because I was relatively certain that in that instance, I may not have been as certain about if it meant ancestors, inclusive of all ancestors, in where it says avotenu. Um, uh, because that's a place that's a little bit questionable about, you know, like, could you really mean both mothers and fathers if you use the word avot? It's a, it's a little bit unclear. But banim... 
um, I'm, I'm, I'm like 99.9% certain does not only talk about their sons, right? So anyway, um, so cut, sorry, Neil, I cut, we cut you off though. No, no, that, that yeah. Well, so Neil's saying that, that this prayer looks to the future, right? It's not only about the past relationship and it's not only about the present relationship with God, but it also is about uh, the, uh, the ultimate redemption of the, of the Jewish people. Um, that's actually really an important point, I think, about this prayer. That, um, that the covenantal relationship between God and the Jewish people doesn't only have a start point, doesn't only have a contemporary dimension, doesn't only include protecting the Jewish people, but also has um, what I would call an eschatological dimension, right? Which means that there's a trajectory of that covenantal relationship. And the trajectory is um, the redemption of the world, the restoration of the Jewish people to their homeland. Interestingly, and we'll look at the history in a minute of this, uh, of this prayer, just a little bit of the history of this prayer, um, but, uh, but what's interesting is that uh, um, uh, this is not the original text of the, of the prayer. We don't actually know what the original text of the prayer is. It might have looked similar to this. But there are a lot of theories um, that, uh, that say that the, that the whole Amidah got a kind of um, like messianic gloss on it at a certain point in history, and usually those points in history are when things are going really bad for the Jews, uh, which was a lot of points in history, of course. Um, and, uh, and so if you look at fragments of this blessing in the Chi- from the Cairo Geniza, which has uh, you know, a, a few centuries of, uh, of, 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 of uh, fragments of different sacred works and, and prayer books and, and um, biblical texts, etc., uh, that fragments of that, of the blessing found there, don't include anything about maybe Goel Ibnehem, right? So that God will bring a redeemer to their, uh, to their children's children. It doesn't have the, uh, the ending part that's Melech Ozer Umoshia, right? That, that God is the, uh, the helper and the saver of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, uh, well, it doesn't say of anybody, but God doesn't say that. So, so there's a, there, there are, uh, I think pretty sound academic theory is that the redemption theme of this blessing is not necessarily original to the blessing, which, by the way, uh, is also worth considering in this other way, that this prayer, as ancient and as uh, important as it is within the um, you know, canon of Jewish practices and, and literature, has never been immutable. Right? There have been changes to this blessing over time, okay? um, which suggests that, at least in theory, a change is possible or acceptable even in our time. Good. Okay, all these are really important uh, themes of this blessing. Now let's look at uh, some, um, uh, uh, some dimensions of those themes or... Uh, uh, or, or maybe other themes in it, okay? So that's uh, the bottom of page one, uh, the meaning, part one, biblical intertextuality, okay? So uh, as I mentioned to, uh, to Bonnie left, but uh, as I mentioned to Bonnie last year, when, uh, not last year, two years ago, when I was interviewing here, two and a half years ago now, when I was interviewing here, she asked me, you know, do you support the inclusion of the matriarchs in the Amida? At the time, I said no. And the reason I gave her is because the phrase... Um, uh, Elohei Abraham, Elohei Yitzchak, Elohei Yaakov is a biblical verse. And Elohei uh, Sarah, Elohei Rivka, Elohei Rachel, Elohei Leah is not a biblical verse. And I 
argued at that time that including uh, that, uh, uh, that the phrase of the matriarchs um, damages the, the sort of the, the, the integrity of the passage because it interrupts a biblical verse and then the, the, next, the next line after Elohei Yaakov is Ha'el HaGadol HaGibor V'Hanorah which is another biblical verse so you're kind of like wedging in something that's not a biblical verse into two things that are biblical verses even though it's not one continuous, contiguous biblical verse right? so one biblical verse is Elohei Abraham, Elohei Yitzhak, Elohei Yaakov or one biblical phrase I should say it's in a few different verses Another biblical verse is Ha'el Hagadol Hagibor Behanorah, um, and then uh, El El Yon is also another passage from the Torah. So it's actually it does string together a few different biblical passages here. And so my argument to Bonnie at the time was um, that inserting the names of the matriarchs sort of uh, breaks up the flow of those of those verses. Um, I, I actually it. I got that argument from, um, I think, actually a really well-written, uh, it's part of a really well-written argument uh, by Rabbi Eli Confer uh, in a book called um, uh, Empowered Judaism, which is a great book to read in and of itself. It's like the, a, a, an appendix to that book. Uh, and he makes, I think, a, 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 an interesting and somewhat compelling argument for not including the names of the matriarchs in the Amida. Um, although I will say, so Eli Confer is uh, one of the founders of an organization called Hadar, which started out as a minion in New York and now is a whole institution, including yeshiva. And, um, and um, uh, the rabbinic advisor for Mechon Hadar, um, uh, Rabbi Shai Held, uh, um, a lot of the sources and texts that um, that I ended up putting in this source sheet, um, I uh, uh, I took from his I think very masterful um, uh, uh, analysis um, about the issue of the matriarchs uh, that was never published. It was just, just unpublished. It was just for the consumption of that minion, uh, in which he argued for the inclusion of the matriarchs in the Amidah. So even though uh, one dimension of that uh, uh, organization uh, in New York is not so in favor of the inclusion of the matriarchs, at least in principle. Yeah, you got you got to be there, I suppose. Okay, so uh, all right. So any any thoughts, comments, questions about that so far? Okay, that's important background to think about. By the way, we, we, remember we got to have in our minds: is it okay to include the matriarchs in this? Okay, and. Um, and those who say no um, make their argument, I think, largely, although not entirely, largely because of those value concepts. Right? This prayer is invoking a particular relationship that God had with a particular cluster of people right? that had a particular meaning. And we don't invoke other people in that context because it would change the meaning of the passage. Right? It would, it, God did not have the same relationship with other people that God had with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and that's not what this passage is talking about. Okay? So that's, generally speaking, one of the arguments uh, against including the matriarchs. Okay, section three, history. All right, so the history of the Amidah is very interesting. We actually don't really know a lot of, uh, of its history other than um, the, the idea of the Amidah is very old. Uh, the structure of the Amidah is very old. Um, the themes of each of, uh, of most of the blessings, especially this first one, which is really our main concern, um, are very old. Um, 
the language itself, the specific language of it, um, is also old, although maybe not as old as the notion of what the themes are that we're supposed to be saying in those blessings of the Amidah. And when I say it's very old, I say that uh, not to be coy, but because we actually don't know how old. Okay, so a second century Midrash holds that, quote, the early prophets instituted the practice of the daily recital of the 18 benedictions. The Babylonian Talmud says similarly, 120 elders, including many prophets, instituted the 18 benedictions. All right, so that means that the rabbis of the, uh, of, uh, the Talmud is, is, uh, is 6th century CE. Uh, the 2nd century Midrash is obviously three or 400 years earlier than that. Right? So at least there, uh, there was this concept of the Amidah. There was a sense that there was a fixed structure, at least to the Amidah, that there was an established order of blessings in the Amidah, although maybe not necessarily the specific text. So at least 2,000 years has been uh, this institution. But even there, they're hearkening back. They're saying that we've had this for a long time. Right? And because there's discrepancies about exactly how long, no one really knows exactly how, they say the early prophets, what they probably mean by that is there's this, I think, fairly mystical, uh, or mythical, I, I mean, uh, idea of uh, the uh, Knesset Hagdolah, uh, which means the Great Assembly, um, which was uh, probably a collection of, uh, of, of elders and sages convened by Ezra when Ezra um, brought the exiles back from, uh, from Babylonia uh, in uh, the, uh, the, the, the 5th century before the Common Era. Um, and so, and, and, and that actually would make sense because if you think about that, the, uh, the people of Judah were exiled to Babylon uh, in uh, 586 BCE. The temple was destroyed by the Babylonians. Right? And they had a, essentially a choice to make. Right? What do we do when there's no more temple? This is the destruction of the first temple. And the, the Torah is premised, Jewish practice is premised on there being a temple. Right? So what do we do when there's no temple? They instituted a, a, a verbal prayer. Right? Structured verbal prayer that would replace the need to sacrifice in the temple. Um, they instituted synagogues. Uh, um, that's probably the first uh, um, institution of synagogues uh, in history or during the Babylonian exile. And so when they returned to Judah um, in, uh, in, in the 530s BCE, or uh, when they start returning to Judah in the 530s BCE, they're already starting to formalize these uh, 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 verbal prayer practices. So it would probably make sense that at least some aspect of the Amidah, which is understood to be kind of the, the, the central uh, uh, Jewish prayer, um, was, was organized around that time. Okay? Even today, with all our manuscripts, libraries, and sophisticated scholarship, the historical gap between the return from the Babylonian exile and the rise of the rabbis is something of a black hole. We can certainly understand how the rabbis, too, had to guess at the likeliest shape of the murky era that preceded them. When they say, therefore, that the Amidah goes back to the prophets or elders, they mean only that the origins of the Amidah are very old. A rabbinic discussion from the second century cites titles for the first and last three blessings, but not for the middle ones, which are referred to instead just by their opening few words. The middle blessings had no titles because they were more recent. The other blessings did have titles because they were so old. 
which means that the blessing under our consideration is probably one of the oldest in the Amidah, right? It's, it's probably a really foundational blessing in the Amidah. The original Amidah must therefore have been the first and last three blessings, which eventually became incorrectly known as praise and thanksgiving, even though they were really as petitionary as the middle 13. Okay, so I want to say two things here. The first is one of, I think, the um, compelling arguments for not changing the blessing is the history of the blessing. It's old, it's ancient, right? About as ancient as anything that's in contemporary practice in Judaism. Uh, and, uh, and so therefore, you know, we, we, this is we mean by being conservative Jews, we tend to conserve the tradition as we've received it, uh, unless we have a compelling reason not to, right? Um, which is different than Reform Judaism. Reform Judaism uh, um, is, uh, is, is much more op- open to reforming the tradition, um, also when they have a compelling reason to, uh, but even when they have a, 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 the burden of proof is not so high. Uh, for Reform Judaism in terms of changing the tradition, and Orthodoxy has a stance that, by and large, we never change the tradition as we've received it. Right? So for conservative Jews, that's relevant. If, if, if we've historically had this blessing in a particular way, even though we don't know exactly if we've had it the exact same way that we currently have it, but we've had this blessing based on this theme for about 2,000 years, um, can we change it? And the answer, of course, is yes, we can, but the question then is, should we? And that's a more complicated question. Now, the last paragraph I kept in there, uh, even though it was a little confusing for the historical argument, um, but because the, the rabbis refer sometimes to those opening three blessings, in, uh, of which our blessing in question is one of them, as, um, as blessings of praise. Okay, so there's, they say that, there, that in, the day, in the weekday Amidah, there are three sections, the Talmud says. The first section is praise, the second section is petition, and the third section is thanksgiving. Okay? Um, so, and they, they, they frame it like this, uh, and, and those of you who have uh, either my Hasidic Chavarah and other set, settings know that I'm not crazy about this uh, metaphor that they that they choose, I think it's theologically problematic, but the way they phrase it is, the first three blessings are like a servant uh, um, uh, heaping praise upon uh, his master before uh, he asks him for things. Uh, the second thing that we do is that we actually make the ask. And the third thing we do is that we praise uh, our master for, uh, for his uh, kindness and beneficence before we take our leave from him. Right? So the idea is, you know, you're about to ask God for stuff, so you butter God up, and then you make the ask, and then you say thank you. Right? So that's the... <clears throat> but, and so that's important, because one of the halachic, one of the Jewish legal principles that, uh, that, that many use as foundational to their arguments about why we should not change the opening blessing of the Amidah is because that opening blessing is supposed to be about praise... And so therefore, we shouldn't include something that is not praise. Okay, we shouldn't include a, a, a request or anything. Now, without even looking at that halakha, we can note that that, is, um, that that at least is not true historically. Right. So if you look back at the blessing, on the 10 days of repentance, in this blessing of praise we add the following passage. Remember us for life, sovereign who delights in life, and inscribe us in the book of life for your sake, God of life. Now, if you were to categorize that, that passage as 
praise, petition, or gratitude, how would you categorize it? Petition, right? So, so if we want to say that we can't insert things that are not specifically praise into the opening blessing of the Amidah, let's hold off for a second the discussion about whether including the matriarchs is adding something that is not praise into that opening blessing of the Amidah. But you want to add, you say we can't do it because you can't insert things that are not praise there. We could very easily say that there is a several millennia uh, old practice of including this line during the high holidays, which seems very uh, petitionary in nature. That's not even to mention the, the fact that, um, that, uh, that even though the language is specifically petitionary in that opening paragraph, it certainly has like the, 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 um, it has the veneer of praise, but the subtext of petition. Okay, so right when you say like "Zocher um, right? So remember the kindness of our of our ancestors, uh, and uh, and bring a redeemer to their children's children uh, 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 for the sake of divine honor with love, right? Okay, so you can read that as as a as a praising statement about what about who God is and what God is and what God nature is. You could, or you could read it as. Please remember the kindness of our ancestors so that you will redeem us. Okay, but anyway, so, um, so in, now let's go into the fourth section, which is halakha. And that's very relevant for us as conservative Jews. Um, uh, even if something is uh, uh, maybe, um, even if we're sympathetic to a particular argument, right, as I, I have always been to the, uh, to the desire to include the matriarchs, I wasn't always uh, sympathetic to um, the appropriateness of the change uh, in some ways because of the halachic uh, grounds that, that I saw. And what we'll see, I think, is that the, the halachic argument is itself not especially compelling, um, in my opinion. So, uh, Okay, the, the, uh, let, me actually, let me pause there just so I can catch my breath and see if there are any questions. Any questions, comments? Okay, so there's a lot of halakha here. We're going to try to go as, uh, as briskly as we can. Um, the one, I, said, I think the, the, one of the foundational texts that is often uh, leveled as an, as an argument for keeping the traditional prayer is, is the following from the Talmud. Rav Yehuda said... One should never petition for his needs, either in the first three benedictions or in the last three, but in the middle ones. Right? That's what I, uh, I mentioned that before. Right? So don't include petitionary prayer in the first three blessings. Now, I just want to pause that. It says don't include petitionary prayer in the first three blessings or in the last three blessings. But does he say don't include anything other than the received text? He doesn't say that. He's silent on that. And uh, a later uh, a later jurist makes an argument that uh, that it seems strange that Rav Yehuda would even there's a, there's an idea in Talmudic law called a called a hava amina. A hava amina means um, the 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 original thought that you had that that. Uh, that, that's sort of underlying the statement in the first place or underlying the question in the first place, right? So, uh, so if you would have thought that you could never include or change anything in the blessing, what Rav Yehuda says wouldn't need to be said, 
right? So the Hava Amina of this seems to be that change is possible or additions are possible in that opening three blessings or last three blessings. It just can't be petitionary in nature. That at least seems uh, compelling to me. For Rabbi Hanina said, in the first ones he resembles, this is what I was alluding to before, in the first ones he resembles a servant who is praising his master. In the middle ones he resembles a servant who is requesting a gift from his master. In the last ones he resembles a servant who has received a gift from his master and takes his leave. Okay? Um, that's the, that's the foundational Talmudic text uh, that most of the later uh, commentators and uh, um, uh, jurists, uh, rabbis, are going to harken back to in one way or another uh, in making statements that are relevant to our conversation. I put what follows mostly in chronological order uh, with, with one small exception. Um, uh, just so you can kind of see the, the flow of people's statements through history, okay? Uh, and, um, and this is a pretty exhaustive list of the relevant texts. Um, it's obviously not uh, um, 100% exhaustive because then this packet would have been really, really long. Um, uh, so I, I encourage you to do your own research on the subject, um, but, uh, but know that I, that I put as many as seemed relevant and reasonable in, uh, in, in a five-page packet, okay? So, Machzorvetri uh, is, is an early Sidor. Uh, we don't have a lot, of, I mean, Sidor over time has evolved. The prayer book over time has evolved. Uh, the, um, the, one of the earliest is uh, the Sidor of Rav Amram Gaon, uh, which is from the eighth century, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and uh, then there's the Sidor of Rav Sadia Gaon, uh, so a lot of the Gaonim, which are the heads of the Talmudic academies in, um, in Babylonia, uh, uh, composed their own Sidor. And a Sidor to them was, pr- prayer was primarily memorized at the time. So Sidors were really sort of like um, legal companions about the laws of prayer, which also included sometimes what those rabbis thought the text of those prayers should be. So it's not surprising, therefore, that there's a lot of uh, um, uh, debate and disagreement between uh, um, uh, different uh, sidurim uh, over time in ancient history because there wasn't a printing press. They didn't have, they didn't mass produce them. Uh, some of those things are like manuscript differences and manuscript errors. And some of those things are like actually, you know, this is, we, we receive this prayer or we know this prayer in a different way, right? So there's a, there's a degree to which our conversation about this issue is prejudiced by being moderns, because we have a very fixed understanding of what the prayer service is that our uh, ancient medieval ancestors didn't have. Okay, so Machzor Vitri is an early Sidor, <clears throat> and the author of it was a student of Rashi, the, 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 the great commentator of the uh, uh, 10th century, uh, 10th and 11th century in France. Uh, Rabbi Yaakov ben Meir rules that one may be creative with all 18 blessings whether for words of thanks and praise or for one's needs, since one is merely extrapolating on the theme of the blessing. Okay, so that's important. That question of, it may be okay to change a blessing so long as it stays within the theme of the blessing is important and relevant for our conversation. And one may add liturgical poems. Rabbi, those are known as piyutim, uh, and on the high holidays, we add a lot of those. Uh, and... Uh, and 
the question of whether or not those piyutim are relevant to the theme of the blessing uh, within the High Holidays um, is actually an interesting conversation. If you look at some of those piyutim that we include, say, in the first blessing of the Amidah, or even this little one that we include uh, here, um, it's maybe questionable about whether or not that matches the theme of the blessing. Whether, if the theme of the blessing is covenantal relationship and redemption, um, whether the theme of you know, God inscribing us in the book of life for the coming year is actually on theme. Um, and there are debates in, uh, in, throughout halakhic history about, about that subject. Uh, Rabbi Hananel explained the ruling, one should never make requests in the first three or last three blessings, refers to personal requests. But communal requests are permissible because the last three blessings are in fact communal requests and custom is law. So if you think about the last three blessings of the Amidah, um, they're not really praise. I mean, they're, 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 the word thank you is in that blessing, but they're also, our, we pray for peace in the last blessing, um, uh, etc. Right? So uh, we, uh, uh, we pray for God to accept our prayers in the last three blessings. So the, uh, the, the last three blessings, even though we categorize them as thanksgiving, are, are really have a lot of praise in them. Uh, and so the argument here is that when um, Rav Yehuda in the Talmud that we saw before says, don't make requests in the first three or last three blessings, um, uh, halakhic history uh, interpreted that to mean personal requests, but communal requests are okay. Right? So you can add in something that's petitionary in nature uh, so long as it's not like, like um, you know, uh, ten Lee uh, Mercedes Benz, right? You know, so right, uh, right. Uh, you guys got that, right? Okay, yeah, yeah, Ben. Yeah. So I'm just thinking about the the Amidas we have, and it's related to last week. What's the rule of the of the section that you that we add when doing it privately? That oh, I isn't that <clears throat> it is, but it's after the it's last. After it's blessing. after the last blessing of the Amidah. Yeah, so it's actually right. Technically, it's right. a separate blessing. Right, okay. right, but that's, you could. That's what I was just. But you can. But, but, but right, 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 right. But here's another example of, of how we do this. Right. So if you were in synagogue on the uh, on the uh, first day of Passover uh, during the Musaf Amidah and the second blessing, we add in the blessing called Tal, the blessing for dew. Right, which is a request in that second blessing. Uh, and we, in the fall, we have a blessing called Geshem, blessing for rain. And those are communal requests. So requests are okay, so long as they're communal and not personal.